0: 2017. No 2017! No 2017! And we say that because we know what Trump and Pence will mean for humanity. Oh so we say no! No! No Muslim registry! No Muslim registry! No immigrant bashing! No immigrant bashing! No wall! No wall. No pussy grabbing! No No pussy grabbing! No taking away women's right to abortion! No taking away
1: women's right to abortion!
0: No law and order, President! No law and order, President! No climate change denying! No climate change denying! No suppressing civil liberties! No suppressing civil liberties! No to every fucking thing Trump represents. No. Every no, thing no represents. And look, no. this has got to be more than just us declaring that we don't like Donald Trump. That's right. We don't, but it's got to be more than declaring that we don't. Yes. We have to act on that declaration. We have to act in a determined way to reach out to and organize others into organizing others Yes. into organizing others yes. to bring out people in their millions and millions yes. to take to the streets yes. in massive numbers in a determined way Yes. refusing to accept this fascist regime that's what we got to do see and this is up to us it ain't no waiting and seeing what'll happen. No. Hell no. No, no. It ain't hoping that the checks and balances of the system will stop Trump. No. 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 They never did. It no. is up to us to take it into our hands and write history by stopping this fascist regime. Right. And look, I know that we weren't planning. To be three weeks away from a fascist regime taking the reins of power in society. This ain't where we expect it to be. But this is where we are. That's right. This is the challenge that is before us. People in the future will look back on this period. And what will they say? Will they say that we recognize the horror of the fascist Trump Pips regime and through our all did everything we could to act to stop it now or will they say that we failed to do that? We resist! That is not yet written. That will be determined by what we do starting now. And we have to go out starting now to build a kind of resistance that can force a political crisis and stop this regime. Yes, yes. right on! Yes. That's it. This is something that can be done. Yes, it can. Millions and millions of people have already shown that they hate the things that Trump campaigned on, that they hate what he stands for, that they are fearful, anguished, and outraged by everything that he represents. We have to put before those millions that there is a way to act to stop it now. And we have to organize them into that way. Taking up all the questions that they have, struggling with them to join in with us, and be part of organizing others to join us. Yes, This is what we have to do. Yes. Now we have a vision for that. That vision is up on the refusefascism.org website and a key part of it is a paragraph that starts off with imagine people in their tens of millions taking to the street, acting in a determined way, refusing to accept this regime. This could force a situation where the all factions and the authorities are faced with an ungovernable society, and they have to determine how to deal with it. This could create the conditions that stop the Trump-Pence regime. Watch the hand! This is not an idle dream. Yes! It is reality, and reality that can be realized, a vision that can be realized if we act in a determined way. Yes. Yes! And we got a plan for doing that. It basically comes down to taking our message no Trump, no Pence, no fascist 2017 to every corner of society. Having it resonating from one side of the country to the other. Yes. A big opening shot in it is going to be the publication of the call of refuse fascism as an ad in the New York Times with a broad and diverse array of signatories, including some well-known voices of conscience. This is going to be an announcement to everybody that there's a broad and diverse array of people who are determined to act to stop it. A whole lot of people are going to be delighted to see it and inspired and want to get with us, and we have to organize them into it. Now, a whole lot of other people ain't going to like it. They're going to hate it. They're going to attack it. But we are not going to back down in the face of their attacks. In fact, we're going to use their attacks jujitsu style to build even greater momentum
1: to bring people into the
0: streets to stop this regime. And this no does have to resonate in every arena of society. Starting tonight, you got to take these no's that you got in flyers, in palm cards, and in other ways, on the subway and hand them out when you're on the way back. Posting them in your neighborhood. Yes. Yeah. Educators have to go back to school and disrupt what usually goes on and saying, we got to have a teach-in, we got to have a bunch of teach-ins to get into what is fascism, what's the horror that it causes, and how can we act to stop it. Right. Students have to walk out of school,
2: yes. if you're
0: in college, if you're in high school, if you're in middle school. Well, yeah. Walk out to show your determination yes. to not accept the yes. future being ruled by a fascist regime. Woo-hoo. And when you walk out of your school, if there's another school across town that ain't walked out yet, go over there and organize them to yes. get with it and walk out and join them. Yes. If you work in a laboratory or somewhere else where they do scientific research, you gotta publicly declare that you will not allow your expertise to be utilized to implement a fascist agenda, the agenda of Trump-Pence. You gotta do this in public and you gotta throw into this movement. If you are in a, a museum, a theater, or other cultural institution, You got to go dark for several hours or even for a day to dramatize your refusal to accept this regime. Every arena of society, we got to be disrupting business as usual. We got to draw from the experience of ACT UP. When it said we are facing an AIDS epidemic, and everybody in society has got to face that reality. They took it before everybody in society. We got to do that with this message of no to Trump and Pence. We got to learn from the way that young people especially flowed into the streets after the system refused to indict the pigs that murdered Michael Brown in Ferguson and Eric Garner in Staten Island. They took to the streets. They blocked traffic. They blocked highways. They stayed in the streets. We got to learn from that. And we got to learn from Occupy Wall Street and the way that they went to Zuccotti Park and stayed in Zuccotti Park bringing the quest message of the inequality in the society before everybody. We gotta do the same. And this has to culminate in people coming to DC before the Martin Luther King holiday weekend and not coming there like Lucha said for a protest one day and then go home. We gotta stay in the streets of DC disrupting business as usual down there, and calling for others to come, in the thousands and tens of thousands, then hundreds of thousands and even millions. And people all across the country gotta be doing the same thing. Disrupting the business as usual. Saying whatever usually goes down in this society is not gonna be allowed to go down.
1: Because we are
0: refusing to accept the imposition of a fascist regime. Okay, and I gotta tell you, I'm gonna be going down to D.C. early. I might be down there next week. Some of y'all gotta volunteer to come down with me so we can do advance work and organizing to get things ready for what we need to do. But if you ain't coming down there, you gotta start right now. Get your friends together. Get your group together. Make your plans for spreading the message of no. Starting right now, starting tomorrow, make your plans for that. Make your plans for getting down to DC and bringing others with you. Or if you can't make it to DC, make your plans for how you're gonna raise hell wherever you are. Because we have to act in the millions and tens of millions in a determined way to stop this fascist regime before it can be get started. Remember In the future, they will look back at this period, when a fascist regime was looming before humanity. What will they say? What will they say we did? We have to make sure that they'll be able to say, these people recognize this horror for what it is, and they threw everything they could into acting to stop it, and they stopped it. Thank you, sisters and brothers.
3: And welcome to the Weekly Review. This is Roman. It's Friday, January 6th, 2017. First show of the new year. Uh, That was Carl Dix speaking from Columbus Circle in New York City on New Year's Eve. There were no Trump protests across the country. There was one here in San Francisco that was awesome. Folks, we met at 555 California Street, which is a building co-owned by Trump. And we had a die-in there. And we marched in the streets down to Embarcadero. And we chanted and we held signs. And there was a Trump piñata that was destroyed at midnight and played some music. There's a song, uh, Fuck Donald Trump. And there was a nice little dance party that happened. We handed out flyers and stickers. And it was a really incredible event. There were a lot of folks who were there who were supportive, who were on board, who you could see they were excited to be able to yell, fuck Trump, to be able to let that out. So it's really important that folks, if you're able to, to show up to protests, to show up to organizing meetings, there's a lot of events happening, and I'll be reading a few of those that are upcoming. Even tomorrow, there's a lot. Some are happening at the same time, so I guess it's a good problem to have. And as Carl Dix mentioned, there is a lot of folks who are mobilizing around D.C. for Inauguration Day. There's a lot of people protesting. There's the Women's March, which is happening. They're expecting over 200,000 people. And there's also like very like similarly also anti-Trump protests as well. So a lot of folks are heading out to D.C. The goal is to get millions of people out in the streets and to shut down business as usual. So people, the the folks in positions of power will be unable to kind of avoid this, this situation because a lot of us are upset about this. He, Trump did not get the majority of the votes. So, most people in the country and in the world do not want him to be in a position of power. So, what can we do to stop that? And a lot of it is mobilizing, a lot of it is speaking out. And there's still people who are complacent. There's people who uh, think, oh, I'll just, you know, we'll just wait, see what happens. It won't be that bad. And there's a lot of folks who've done a lot of research and looking at history. And a lot of the things that Trump is talking about are just fascist ideas, whether it's deporting people, making a registry building a fucking wall, which doesn't make any sense. And I think if you're going to build a wall, build a wall around him, also include Pence in that wall and Jeff Sessions and Mike Flynn and a lot of the folks that he wants to put on his, in his cabinet. A lot of the people he's talking about putting in his cabinet are white supremacists or white supremacist sympathizers, uh, homophobes, Islamophobes, misogynists, folks who want to take away women's rights to choose. I mean, Paul Ryan's already there, the fucking speaker of the house. He's, I think we should call him a murderer because by repealing Obamacare, and granted, yeah, the system's not perfect. But if you're going to replace, if you're not going to replace it with anything, then you're murdering people. I think that's very fair to say. There was a, there's this federal judge in 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 Texas, who already has decided that uh, people doctors would be able to refuse treatment to women who have had people who've had abortions and trans patients. Uh, so that's really discriminatory. And the the whole idea, he's like, oh, it's, it's, well, if people have a religious belief, they shouldn't have to, they shouldn't have to, you know, serve people. They shouldn't have to help people, which is ridiculous because I, I'm not a religious person. I haven't studied theology, but I'm pretty sure one of the main tenets in most religions is thou shall not kill. And if you're refusing to take care of people, then you're advocating their murder. That's very safe to say. So a lot of these folks are in positions of power who are pretty evil and corrupt, and they need to be stopped. How we go about stopping them? Well, Carl Dix mentioned a lot of that. It's about organizing. It's about organizing your friends and this continuing of teaching ideas and not being complacent. And what does that look like? Does it look like? walking out if you're a student walking out of school if you're like at work does it mean not going into work if you're able to do that does it mean going to dc does it mean organizing and talking to your friends who might not be on board or wanting to be active and have the power to be active and i think that's one major idea that a lot of us feel like we're powerless but we're not and there's messages that we've been taught our entire lives that we we can't make a change or it doesn't make any sense to or why bother trying and if we believe in that then Those folks who insist on those messages, they've won. So we really need to look beyond that. And I've been going to a lot of meetings and and protests, and it feels good. I have a lot of anger. There's a lot of things that righteous anger, I should say, that I'm angry at. And of course, most things I am angry at are people in positions of power who abuse their authority, who make laws that are unjust, who want to deny health care, who want to start wars, like really just terrible shit that makes life terrible for a lot of us. There are some people here in positions of power here in San Francisco as well. Mark Farrell, I'll name him. He's on the board of supervisors. He's really right-wing as they come. Ugh, just disgusting. And he was one of the people behind Prop Q. Scott Weiner also behind Prop Q, which was the measure that would make it legal for cops and the DPW to remove people's tents. It's pretty fucking cold here in San Francisco. Raining. It, even if it wasn't raining, and if even if it wasn't cold, the idea that you would remove people's tents and people would not have a place to go is ridiculous, and it's inhumane. And the waiting list for shelter beds is like over a 1,000 people long. So it's, you know, it's, we can say, hey, there's a problem, and unless you're providing a solution to the problem, then you really should have no, then by like making, they're, they're making it worse is pretty much what's happening. They're not saying, they're like, oh, we have a problem with homeless folks here. And it'd be one thing if they were saying, oh, hey, here, let's provide some housing for them. But they're not doing that. Instead, they're making things a lot worse. And it, it's just, oh, it's just gross. It's really gross. Something else I'll, I'll mention is the idea about conversing with people. And I get that it's things are very emotional and we, we get very angry. And how important it is to talk to folks who might have differing views and actually talk about the issues and not so much about the people. It's easy. Well, I guess it's easy because we can say, Trump and a lot of the people in his administration are white supremacists, Nazi sympathizers, misogynists, and we don't want people like that in positions of power. We don't want people like that ever, like around, because it's gross. When they're making laws and making things legal, making it legal to discriminate, making things even more, there's already been that behavior in the world anyway. And then when they have a position of power, it makes it even worse. So one thing to really is to focus on the issues of what these people are standing for, as opposed to maybe personal attacks. And so a friend of mine posted, and I, I don't necessarily get into like arguments on Facebook a lot, though I do feel the need to speak up when I'm able to and I have the spoons to. And sometimes it's easier when it's on a friend's page because then you can disengage because it's not, oh, this, is a, this person's a stranger. This is like my friend's friend or acquaintance, and I can say something and I can back away without risk of whatever. Although I do feel we need to argue with fascists. I mean, we don't need to argue with, we just need to stop them entirely. Or maybe if people who are not looking at it as people who are defending them I guess or maybe not defending the issues so much as they are not quite thinking it's as bad as it could be because it might not affect them if you don't have if you're not at risk for deportation if you're not at risk for losing your health care then of course you're not going to be as afraid of what's happening and we need to like inform them that a lot of people are and they are supporting that and by being they're being complicit if they're not standing up against it especially if they're defending Trump and this administration. So one thing, I was not defending the Democrats at all. I don't really defend the Democrats. I am not a fan of either party. There's a few folks within the Democratic Party who have been in the Democratic Party that I dig, but it's not the majority of them. And this person, this friend's acquaintance friend, I don't know how close they are. My friend had posted something about Bernie Sanders, who had brought a Trump tweet to Congress saying that, in two thousand and fifteen, Trump was said he wasn't going to do anything about Social Security or, or Medicare. He wasn't going to dismantle it at all. So he was calling out that Trump had initially said he wasn't going to do anything, and then now he's he flip flops a lot. He's like the fact that we even have to talk about him is just gross and a waste of everyone's time. But that's where we are, so gotta accept it. And so on this on this thread that some people were defending Trump, and I kind of went in on this guy and was like, "Yep, yeah, he and the people he's appointed are." You know, Nazi sympathizers, white supremacists, misogynists, gross. And I posted a few articles about a lot of different people like Mike Flynn and Jeff Sessions and Mike Pence, Steve Bannon, gross, ugh, ugh, gross people. And a lot of their statements, which are just terrible for humanity. And the person responded with better. And I have never said, I was never saying, oh, the Democrats are great. I never said that at all. And I did make that clear twice that I'm not here to defend the Democrats. I'm not saying there are white supremacists within the Democratic Party. I think it's a lot more covert in their in a lot of their policies. And I think by saying that, this person was able to like let their guard down a little bit and see that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't saying, oh well, you have to go with the Democrats. It's not like that at all. I think we, the whole system is just corrupt, and a lot of people in positions of power are super corrupt and not in it for the people. And by, th- by saying this, by making it not an us versus them, I think this person was able to maybe let their guard down a little bit, and we were actually able to start talking about their issues. And this person was defending their own Islamophobia, and I had to call them out on it a lot. And he was saying that the, there's the myth that Muslims are homophobic. And I'm like, well, I've met a lot of gay Muslims and a lot of anti-gay Christians, so your logic does not make any sense. <sighs> and also, just going in that just it comes from a lot of fear. And he's saying, Oh, all the Muslims hate, they hate America. And I'm, I'm thinking, well, you know, well, if our government and military decides to bomb and invade a lot of countries, how do you expect people to react? Are they going to be, Oh, thank you for bombing us. Thank you for invading us. Here are some flowers. Ugh. So talking about the issues and he, he made the statement, Oh, I guess we'll have to agree to disagree. And I'm like, well, I'm not agreeing with you, but it still was, I feel, I think one can feel very guarded and when it's a, a passionate issue, and for me, it's like, I'm afraid for my own safety, I'm afraid for my friend's safety, my loved one's safety, people I've never met, I'm afraid for their safety, with a fascist regime coming ahead, like, I don't want anyone that I know and care about, or people even I don't know. Um, I want everyone to be safe, and it gets really, one can get really emotional about it, and sometimes it can be hard to make arguments when one is feeling emotional. I can only speak for myself, but I think that's pretty much true with everyone, when we're afraid we're more likely to attack or to get, or to maybe lose sight of what the argument is or lose sight of our position because it's. I'm speaking from a place of fear. I'm in a place of anger. And to be able to really go down the list of issues and, okay, this person is just afraid. I mean, I, we're all afraid. So how can we actually deal with these fears here? And I think it's the people in the positions of power who are the ones who are making us afraid. If we weren't bombing other countries, then we wouldn't necessarily be afraid of other people like retaliating against us. If they weren't taking away our health care or threatening to take away our health care, I wouldn't be so afraid if the fucking vP Mike Pence, who should fucking come out of the fucking closet um if he hadn't in the past talked about gay conversion therapy and if he hadn't talked about l- limiting uh, reproductive health care for women, like he's actually talking about like getting rid of it all entirely, which is so gross. like how the fuck can you say that how can you why? I don't understand the idea that people, especially a lot of these old white men, they want to have control over people's bodies. That's so gross. And also in Indiana, the state he was the governor of, the HIV rates skyrocketed because instead of thinking about birth control and harm reduction, he's all about, well, we can pray pray it away. We can pray the HIV away. That doesn't fucking work, you idiot. And if that's your own thing, that's your own thing. But if you're in a position of power and you're like passing laws that are going to have effect on people's bodies, that's a problem. Oh. So my point is, whew, yeah. So one can get very emotional about these things. One can get very, very emotional about these things. And the, we started off the the dialogue back and forth, and I was emotional, and he was calling me a liar, even though I wasn't lying. And you know, I don't have the, you know, you don't have to fucking lie. You don't have to lie. There's the facts are right there. No one's saying. Oh, no one's making up this idea that maybe they're fascist. Why would anyone go out? It's this. It's like the same thing with like rape apologists and Holocaust deniers. Why would anyone go out of their way to make up lies about people who are hurting you? If they're hurting you, you're calling it out. And I think a lot of people don't want to hear that. So we were able to go back and forth quite a bit. And I was providing facts and articles. And we were able to talk more about the issues. And it was actually pretty civil overall, even though I think this person was coming from a very biased background, uh, just talking a lot about his, his own Islamophobic feelings. <laughs> Ugh. And, but we got to a place where we were able to actually talk about the ideas and the issues, and I think that was very helpful to do that, to talk about the issues and to remember to talk about the actual issues, and to talk, talk about on a personal level, too, where this might affect me if I have to do this or my friends have to go through with this, that's a problem, as opposed to more abstract, this person's a jerk. Although, let's face it, a lot of these fascist people are jerks. And also going back to what I was saying before, by them saying, well, the Democrats aren't any better. And like that was never my argument. I wasn't saying, oh, the Democrats are wonderful. There's actually an article just posted today um, about how many bombs were dropped uh, during the Obama administration. It's a lot. Spoiler alert, we've been dropping a lot of bombs. <sighs> I mentioned last week on the show, and that last week's show was recorded, and it will be up at some point soon. Uh, that, of course, the I shouldn't say of course, but it's true. Police officers in the United States murdered over a thousand people again this year, and it's like similar with the with these bombs that have been dropped by by the United States so far, in well, not so far, but in two thousand sixteen, and the council. On Foreign Relations uh, reported a study today, and it was written by Mike Azenko on January 5th. This was published. And it's quite a high number. I think one bomb is <laughs> one bomb too many, to be honest. And they've it's so in President Obama's last year in office, just this is last year, the United States dropped 26,171 bombs in seven countries, It's like a punch card or something, where you think, oh, if you drop bombs in enough countries, you'll get like a punch card where the whole world will really fucking hate you. Um, So the estimate, they say, is undoubtedly low, considering reliable data is only available for airstrikes in Pakistan, Yemen, Somalia, and Libya. And a single strike, according to the Pentagon's definition, can involve multiple bombs or munitions. In 2016, the United States dropped 3,027 more bombs and in one more country, Libya, than in 2015. So there was an increase in the bomb droppings. And this is why I can't go on record and defend the Democrats. And I feel like if we could all really just recognize that the the systems that is that is in place is a problem, it's not so much about which party is better or worse, because I think they're both... Ugh. Um, we can we can look, we can look at this and recognize that the problem isn't with the individual people, but it's with the system and the, and the system that's in place and this idea of like dropping so many bombs. So moving along with the article, we got some more information here. Most 24,287 were dropped in Iraq and Syria. The number is based on the percentage of total coalition airstrikes carried out in 2016 by the United States in operation inherent resolve. What are you helping to resolve by dropping bombs on people? (sighs) the counter is so that's the counter islamic state campaign the pentagon publishes a running count of bombs dropped by the us and its partners and we found data in 2 for 2016 using oir public strike releases and this handy tool and they have a link to that using this data we found that in 2016 the united states conducted about 79% of the coalition airstrikes in iraq and syria which together totaled 7473 Of the total 30,743 bombs that the coalition dropped, then the United States dropped 24,287. To determine how many U.S. bombs were dropped on each Iraq and Syria, we looked at the percentage of total U.S. OIR airstrikes conducted in each country. They were nearly evenly split, with 49.8% carried out in Iraq and 50.2% in Syria. Therefore, the number of bombs dropped were also nearly the same in the two countries. Last year the United States conducted approximately 67% of airstrikes in Iraq in 2016 and 96% of those in Syria and they have a chart here a very handy chart. Uh, so this is kind of what's been happening and uh, we're kind of we're in this mess. We really are in this mess. So Moving along, we plan some music, usually open up the show with some music, but I really wanted to play that whole speech from Carl Dix because it's very inspiring and there's a lot of inf- information there and I really want to encourage people to act, especially if you haven't yet or if you're thinking about it, to really motivate yourself and to organize others to talk to people about it. And yeah, it's uncomfortable. I've been a little bit more open about it in terms of talking to people I wouldn't normally talk to about it or handing out flyers, inviting people to events and people show up. It's awesome. It's, it's similar to inviting people to a show, you know, you know, some people might not come and some people will, and that's really great when they do and they come and then they can tell their friends and so on and so forth. And there's a lot of anger and a lot of fear out there. And I feel like this is really incredible to be able to um, find a way to you to channel our anger and our energy and our fear in a really productive manner instead of sitting at home. So I encourage folks to do that. A few months ago, I posted a thread on, on my page about, what are your favorite anti-fascist songs? And it just blew... It just I don't want to say blew up, but it did. Lots of folks were commenting. So there's a lot of great songs. I'm still going through all of them. There's a lot of incredible songs. So I wanted to start sharing a lot of these. And I'll start off with this one here, uh, for this week anyway. It'll be a few shows before I get through all of them, because I've been playing them pretty consistently, and there's just a lot of songs. And there's a lot of great anti-fascist songs out there. So. This one's by KRS-One, and it's called American Flag. And I think this also pretty much has to do with that last story I read about dropping all the bombs. So here we go.
4: Look around, look around. Symbols of hatred and justice all around. Look at that one. Look at that one. You see that one right there, right? We're gonna talk about this one. Oh. Symbols of injustice and hatred Confederate flag Bring it down. Symbols of human enslavement Confederate flag Bring it down. But what about the red, white, and the blue American flag Bring it down. Just blew that flag when they captured you for selling shit. Me, I came for telling it. I tell it like it is, so my people stay intelligent. We ending it. Racism, slavery, we ending it. This is why we bringing down the flag of the confederate. I share the same sentiment. Slavery is bad. But slavery was established by the American flag. Follow me. The American flag It flew in every colony. To bring down the confederate only is a hypocrisy. Bringing down one flag to raise up another When both flags enslaved my sisters and my brothers Yeah, man, there were others Africans, French, the Portuguese The English, the Spanish Enslavants of all of these So why raise any flag that killed my mom and my dad Invaded my lands with plans to take up all that they had I'm glad the Confederate flag is banned today But the American flag is still flown by the KKK symbols of injustice and hatred confederate flag you got to bring it down symbols of human enslavement confederate flag you got to bring it down but what about the red white and the blue american flag you got to bring it down racists flew that flag when they captured you american flag listen listen check out right here KRS the right teacher in the street I might see you. under the American flag blacks had no rights either women had no rights either natives had no rights either white abolitionists had to fight against the white right creature red white and blue should mean red white and black Blue was our indigo color coming from way back. But the system is racist when the murderers are acquitted. So we riot in the streets. And they say we shouldn't have did it? They destroying their city man you don't get it if this was my city i wouldn't be getting shot in it stopped in it harassed unemployed and always locked in it while the guns the pollution and drugs are always dropped in it turn the tv off man don't listen to all that you a global citizen you gotta know all the facts you a global citizen, you gotta know how to act. And ask yourself, what does the American flag mean to Iraq? Symbols of injustice and hatred. Confederate flag. You got to bring it down. Symbols of human enslavement. Confederate flag. You got to bring it down. But what about the red, white, and the blue? American flag you got to bring racists that flag when they captured you American flag.
3: and welcome back that's a pretty great song so as i mentioned before there's a lot of events happening there's happening they're happening around the country so i'll talk about a few that are happening here in the bay area so january 7th to the 8th there is no more presidents i love that idea. And they're talking about street tactics, political education, anti-repression. And this is happening at the Omni Commons at 4799 Shattuck in Oakland. Again, that's No More Presidents. There's a Facebook invite, which has a lot more information. So check that out. That's this weekend. There's also a mass meeting, SF United Against Trump, at the Women's Building in San Francisco. And that is happening tomorrow, Saturday, at 1 p.m. A little bit later... There's another meeting happening, uh, How Act Up Fought Back, Direct Action and Civil Disobedience, and that's happening at the Center for Sex and Culture, also in San Francisco, and that is at 2 p.m. Later on in the day, if you can't get enough of those meetings and actions, there's Tweets Can Kill, a die-in protest at Twitter versus Trump, and that's at 4 p.m. at the Twitter building. So I've been to a few of these, and outside the Twitter building, which is on Market Street, there have been protests. Some of us have tried to get inside the building To some of us have been able to, the the cops usually show up and they're like, we're cops, we're protecting wealthy people. Nah, they don't say that they just kind of show up with their nightsticks, because that's really great. (sighs) Anyway, so there's going to be another protest outside the Twitter building. And the whole idea is that Trump has been making a lot of obviously derogatory comments. On his tweets, he's been lying, he's been threatening people, he's been asking his followers to harass people, and that goes against, I'm all for free speech, however, when you're saying hate speech, that goes against Twitter's policies. So, folks are calling on Twitter to ban or suspend his account. Again, that's at the Twitter headquarters, which is at 1355 Market Street, Saturday at 4pm, so there's a lot of these these meetings, there's also, if you're feeling like doing something fun, I think protests can be fun though. So I shouldn't say that these are separate, but there's a punk rock karaoke, which is to help save the West Berkeley shell mound. And that is in Oakland um, at uh, classic cars West. And that is at 7 PM tomorrow as well. So there's a lot of different things you can do. And classic cars West is at 411 28th street. In Oakland, making sure I'm reading that correctly. Yes. So tomorrow, 7pm. So punk rock karaoke, pretty awesome. So there's a lot of folks, of course, who went to Standing Rock, but there's also sacred burial grounds here in the Bay Area, and I'm sure around the country that are facing destruction. So you can go into this organizing protest and sing some karaoke, have some fun, raise some funds. So, there's a lot of ways you can help out and be active. So again, these are these are just a few actions that are happening on one day, one one and two days together. So there's so much that's happening. Reach out to me if you want. I try to post and share these these invites and invite people. There's a lot of ways you can be active, and they're really fun. They're really fun, and it's great to meet people and to see other folks who are also on the same page and to be active as opposed to feeling isolated and alone that we can't do anything. There's a lot of people who are making actions and organizing, so you too can be a part of it. That's my spiel for that. We don't have any sponsors here uh, on this show yet. However, if you'd like to sponsor the show, please do be in touch. Happy to work with anyone who would like to support what we do here. So that's, that's where we're at. You're listening to Mutiny Radio. We're based here in the lovely... Mission District of San Francisco. There's shows here every day of the week. There's some live performances. There's news shows, music, comedy. A whole lot of good things. Coming up after this show will be Women's Magazine with Global Val, followed by the Common Thread Collective. And you can come in and speak and share your music and poetry. A lot of good things are happening. At Common Cause, it's a website, you can tell the Senate to stop Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions is a fucking KKK sympathizer dickhead. And we do not want him to be involved with anything that has to do with our lives, because he's pretty pretty terrible with what he stands for. So the Department of Justice is one of the most important agencies in the country. We trust the DOJ... Okay, this is their words, not mine. We trust the DOJ to protect what makes America special, the right to vote, and equal treatment of all Americans before the law. Uh, Trump's nominee to lead that agency, Senator Jeff Sessions, has spent his entire political life doing the exact opposite. He's unfit to be attorney general, and we must speak out to stop him. In nominating Senator Sessions, President-elect Trump is entrusting our civil, civil and voting rights to a man who fundamentally opposes them. Having Jeff Sessions as attorney general would effectively repeal the Voting Rights Act and would empower voter suppression on a national scale like we haven't seen in decades. And they have a link here uh, to fill out your information and to sign onto the list. You can also tweet to... Hashtag is stop sessions, so you can find this at Common Cause. And there's also going to be a an event here in San Francisco because Jeff Sessions is going to be here in our city on this this coming upcoming Tuesday. So I will be posting some more information about that upcoming event. A lot of lawyers are against him. And some good news. Ooh, let me find this article so I can share this. I go th- every every week. I go through c- certain articles and like, oh, what am I going to share today? And uh, this is one that definitely we need to. Um, we need to share because it's some good things. There's a lot of bad things that happen and then there's the good things. Now the good things I find after doing the show for a number of years, the pattern is that the good things are just pretty much people reacting to the bad things that are happening. It's people standing up to it. And I think that's really important that we talk about that. So this comes from Alabama And it's the NAACP who have been standing up against Jeff Sessions. So this article is from the New York Daily News. Six NAACP protesters arrested after occupying Senator Jeff Sessions' office in Alabama. And they're also calling on other folks to do the same. Six NAACP demonstrators were arrested after occupying the Mobile Office of of Alabama Senator Jeff Sessions, calling for him to turn down his controversial nomination to become the next U.S. Attorney General. More than a dozen protesters entered the office around 11.30 a.m. Tuesday. Uh, Bernard Simulton, president of the Alabama State Conference of the NAACP, told the Daily News from Sessions' office. Our objective is certainly to stop his nomination, Simulton said, but our objective is also to get out the word to people in power to stop it. NAACP President Cornell William Brooks was among those sitting in Sessions' office and said at 7.30 p.m. that he and his fellow protesters were about to be arrested after the building manager requested that they leave. Senator Sessions has callously ignored the reality of voter suppression, but zealously prosecuted innocent civil rights leaders on trumped-up charges of voter fraud, Brooks said in a statement ahead of his arrest. A reporter for Mobile's Lagniapi newspaper confirmed that arrests were occurring, and a live stream from the NAACP showed multiple protesters being put in zip-tie handcuffs. The organization said on Twitter that Brooks Simultan, and National Youth and College Director Stephen Green were among those arrested. The remaining three arrested protesters were not immediately identified. Mobile police did not immediately respond to a request for comment ab- about the arrests. A spokeswoman for Sessions called the NAACP's concerns <laughs> false portrayals. Again, this whole like victim blame- blaming and gaslighting. <laughs> All right, the spokesperson says, Jeff Sessions has dedicated his career to upholding the rule of the law, ensuring public safety, and prosecuting government corruption. Mm Mm-hmm. Sarah Flores said in a statement, many African-American leaders who have known him for decades attest to this and have welcomed his nomination to be the next attorney general. Uh Uh-huh, sure. President-elect Donald Trump's move to tap Sessions, 70, drew immediate rebuke over the senator's history of opposing civil rights causes. Sessions lost a nomination from President Ronald Reagan. Okay, if Ronald Reagan's opposing you, I mean, holy shit. You gotta be... Ugh. Oh, there's a phone call. Maybe it's the ghost of Reagan, and I can just tell him to go fuck himself. Hello?
5: What well, hello?
3: Is this the ghost of Ronald Reagan? No,
5: this ain't Ronald Reagan. Hi, Gail. Yeah, it's Gale, right? Yeah. Gail wants to play. You going to let her play today or not?
3: Um, sure. We're talking about Jeff Sessions.
5: But you have to wop up your... I can hardly hear you. What are we talking about?
3: Jeff Sessions. Who's that? Ugh, he's a dick. He's a... Uh, Trump has a... Trump wants oh, him... Oh, you're
5: talking about our new president, Trump the Bump.
3: Well, Trump the Bump, and this person, Jeff Sessions, who...
5: Actually, what are we going to do with that guy?
3: Well, I've got some ideas, but saying them out loud would get you know me into trouble. You what
5: told me some days ago? What? That the vice president... Oh, yeah. ...wants to open conversion centers. Yeah. I didn't hear that until a few days back or so. Yeah. This is a new one on me. That our vice president wants to open centers to convert gay people into straight people. Yeah,
3: that doesn't work.
5: Now... What does that tell you about our incoming leadership?
3: Oh, that they're all a bunch of fascist dickheads.
5: (laughs) Do you think perhaps they are dealing in unreality? Yes, I do. (laughs) And then I heard today now, all that talk about the wall. Yeah. Well, now it seems like the taxpayer is going to have to pay for that wall. Yeah,
3: they're asking Congress to now, yeah.
5: but they're going to get it back from Mexico.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: First it was all, they're going to pay, they're going to pay, they're going to pay. And now they're going to figure making the taxpayer pay for it mm. and try to recoup it. Ugh. Do you know how messed up this system's going to be?
3: It already is messed up, so, but I, I can know, imagine it could get worse.
5: But, but it's going to be even messed up more. Yeah. They're trying to get rid of health care. Yep. But they're going to charge people in front of a stupid wall.
3: Yeah, it's ridiculous. is
5: kind of like... The Berlin Wall.
3: It's, it's.
5: You know they used to have it in Germany. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They put the wall up and divided the East from the West. Yeah, yeah. It's, America, <laughs> America. Uh, we dropped the ball with this little sucker.
3: Yeah.
6: Oh, I yeah.
5: Mean, and what re- I'm really on this popular vote thing. Mm-hmm. They got to get rid of that electoral college crap. Yeah. Because the other one won the popular vote. Yeah. But we still got Trump.
3: Yeah.
5: Do you think they're going to pump off Trump?
3: I think he'll be impeached. Um, however, we'll still get Mike Pence, who's really bad. So it'd be one thing if Trump was, was like, bad and we know, got rid of he him.
5: Because he wants his own security.
3: Ugh. He
5: doesn't want the Secret Service.
3: Ugh. I, I despise him and I his family. Why.
5: I mean, from what I understand, the people in his own party, quite a few of them don't like him.
3: Yep, that's true.
5: I'm just wondering if there's going to be a mysterious debt if things go too bad. Mm.
3: Yeah, know? I mean, there's a conflict of there's, interest. There's a lot of lawsuits against him because he's no been assaulting Kennedy people. If
5: that was an inside job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know?
3: Yeah, I don't think, so, I, I think so he's what also... what are we
5: going to do with Trump and his assistant over there?
3: We're going to organize. There's been a lot of protests and organizing meetings that have been happening. There's folks <laughs> heading out to D.C. There's people here in, in the in SF.
5: <laughs> the time to get over it was before he got in. Well, he hasn't been, been inaugurated be yet, though. Him, you know?
3: He hasn't been inaugurated yet, though.
5: I, there is a thing where it says, there's some kind of a regulation where if... Foreign interference in with an election, you're supposed to dismiss the person that benefited from it. Mm. But it's not happening. Now. Yeah, They're well, still going forward to make him Trump president, even though there was foreign interference.
3: Yeah, and some folks want a war with Russia, too. So. I, I mean, I don't trust any of America, it personally.
5: I'm not saying it's not screwed up. But I think we just went a little step further off the screwed in there. But this deal. Yeah. Ah, I mean, I'm all. I mean,
1: I got people that
5: won't even talk to me about this. Oh. They're so upset, they don't even want to talk about it.
3: Well, if we talk about it, we can find solutions or at least organize.
5: Yeah, what is the solution?
3: Uh, I guess organizing and getting people involved, going out to protest. But how
5: are you going to throw them out?
3: Folks are going to D.C., Their, the idea is to get millions of people out there.
5: Yeah, but how are you going to get them out of office?
3: If you have enough people in the street so that you set down business as usual that the folks in positions of power well, cannot ignore get them the people.
5: how do of Just enough people don't want them. How can you overcome the vote?
3: That's a good idea. Um, if the people in positions of power, like, see that so many people don't want him, then they can't conduct business. I think maybe hit them with capital. So, either by boycotting, I, I walking out of... I don't think
5: you're going to get rid of him. The only way I think you're going to get rid of them is if some fool goes out there and kills them.
3: And by fool, you mean hero?
5: What? I, I mean... F- well, I mean, I don't know who's going to sacrifice their life to knock off that nut.
3: I bet a lot of people would, though.
5: And, uh, and then you got, even if you get rid of him, then you got the... Pence.
3: Yeah, the and then president. and then there's, after him, there's Paul Ryan, who's also bad. That's so. right.
5: I was going go to go next Paul Ryan.
3: Yeah.
5: I mean, how do you, come on, man. I don't think there's anyone that could actually take all three of them out.
3: So maybe a lot of people.
5: And this is nasty anyway. Yeah. Because instead of after the fat, everyone should have been breaking their ass before the fat and make sure he didn't get in.
6: Yeah, yeah.
5: And even Bill Clinton told it, the, the campaign to go to these states and concentrate on these states. And her own campaign didn't do what Bill Clinton said.
3: Yeah, I, I don't have any faith in the you Clintons know? personally.
5: He kind of, seriously He said, go to these states, work here. They didn't do
3: it. No, and I, that
5: was yeah. the states that put him in.
3: The DNC is pretty reprehensible, in my well, opinion. I don't
5: know how we're going to get rid of it. I'm just wondering what's going to happen after four years. If they're going to be fooling up to put him back in again.
3: I don't think he'll make it four years.
5: I don't. I don't think he's that much interested in being president anyway. Nope. I think he was more interested in winning.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: It seems I don't, not him, but seems to me he was more interested in. And winning, because that's what he's interested in, winning. Yeah. Now that he's I don't give a damn so. <laughs> I think his thing was he just wanted to win. Yeah. Now he got the damn thing, what is he going to do with it? Yeah. going to put up that wall.
3: Ugh, we should put up a wall around him.
5: You know what we got to do? we all going to have to start wearing Russian.
3: Because mm.
5: we can become a satellite of Russia.
3: Mm. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'd rather us all be citizens of the of the world of the globe. Yeah. Well, maybe.
5: Uh, I'm laughing, but it's scary as hell. Yeah,
3: it is scary. It absolutely it's is scary. Ideas. Yeah. Uh,
5: well, all right. Well, maybe
3: there will be folks who take action in a more serious.
5: Get that conversion center going. No. I'm trying to figure out how they're going to get people to go in there. We'll have to burn,
3: burn. We'll have to burn down those conversion centers if they open.
5: How are they going to get people to actually voluntary go to conversion centers?
3: Well, let's make it so that that doesn't even happen in the first place.
5: I don't know. I think they both should resign and go into the priesthood. What the hell?
3: Yeah, but then, I like that idea. However, I'd I'd fear for uh, all the congregants. Hey,
5: don't get me wrong. I'm not against religion. I'm against this overbearing religion. Yeah. I mean, like ISIS. It's religious based, you know? Yeah. They want to go back to the old ways of the 14th century or something. Yeah. You know, that's religious based, stuff.
1: Yeah.
5: I'm not saying people can't be religious. That's their own business. But what makes me mad is when they want to shove it down someone else's throat. Yeah.
3: Yep. I agree. You know? Fundamentalist religion. You want to be religious? Terrible. You
5: want to do all that? Fine. Do it on
3: your own time. And but not Don't get even...
5: over there and tell everyone else what they're going to do.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
5: just like being liberal. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with being liberal, but that's your thing. That doesn't mean you're going to make other people. And then they get violent, and they get testy about it. Then they put up a wall, and they do... I got to go. I made myself sick. Okay. Bye-bye. Gail, before you hang up, yeah, Gail, go to
3: uh, refusefascism.org. Okay. Hopefully... Hopefully, Gail got that. So, continuing on with the article. So, Jeff Sessions lost a nomination from President Ronald Reagan to become a federal judge after accusations that he had made racist remarks. An African-American former colleague said Sessions called civil rights groups, including the NAACP, quote-unquote, un-American and communist-inspired. All right. First of all, calling someone a communist in my book isn't a bad thing, but said he was quote-unquote, okay with the KKK until he learned that some members smoked marijuana. Okay, wrap your heads around this. This is going to be our new Attorney General, right? He's He he was okay with the KKK until he heard that some folks in the KKK smoked pot. All right. Sessions has denied the damning accusations. Since then, Sessions has earned a reputation as one of the staunchest conservatives in the Senate. He opposed Obamacare, marijuana legalization, the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and all three President Obama's Supreme Court nominees. It's, uh, it's not... Only about how America fares, Simulton told the news about the protest against Sessions. It's about how other countries will look to us on human and civil rights. I'm guessing, like, a lot of countries already don't think that we have, like, a lot of human and civil rights. Looking at our history, looking how a lot of people have been treated. But we can go down further, of course. Um, As Gail was talking about, it's like, you know, we dropped the ball. The ball was already, I feel like, it was... Yes, there's a lot of problems. Reverend Jesse Jackson took to social media in support of the protesters. We support the NAACP and share their outrage and direct action over the nomination of Sessions. The 75-year-old civil rights activist captioned a Twitter photo of Simulton and three others camping out in Sessions' office. The sit-in was one of several Sessions protests the NAACP organized around Alabama on Tuesday, one week before he faces a Senate confirmation hearing for his new post on January 10th. Birmingham NAACP head Hezekiah Jackson led a demonstration there after a press conference where he said the group had no faith in Sessions. We have found no evidence of his ability, past or present, to be impartial and unbiased as the chief law enforcement officer of the United States of America, especially in the area of civil rights, voting rights, and equal protection under the law, Jackson said. Sessions was not in his mobile office. Reps there refused to answer questions and referred to referred the news to Sessions' Washington, D.C. office, which did not answer calls. Senator Dianne Feinstein said Sessions' hearing should be delayed because the senator submitted more than 150,000 pages of material for review, but appeared to put it together in haste and still left his file incomplete. And as we were discussing yesterday, this whole idea, there's a lot of... So Feinstein, who's a Democrat, although a very right-leaning Democrat, um, the fact that she said it should be delayed, that's one thing, but really just, she needs to be speaking out against it entirely, not just delaying it, but saying, no, we cannot have him. That would be the ideal way of speaking out against Jeff Sessions. So for someone for Ronald Reagan to say is not okay is like, whoa, Whew. how about a music break? Thanks again to Gail for calling in. Always nice to hear from folks who like to call in. You can also call in at 415 511 In a little bit, we'll be joined by my guest on the program today, uh, Isaac Jackson. Isaac was on the program last year. Actually, not last year. Last year was 2016. So the year before, 2015, we'll be talking about harm reduction and a lot of awesome things. Because there is a lot of idea of what we don't want in the world that a lot of these fascists in power are trying to do. And I think it's also really important that we talk about good work that people are already doing. What kind of models can we uh, talk about? Can we share? Can other folks um, bring into the 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 atmosphere and so other folks can also learn it's really much about how can we exist outside the system i think because it's people outside the system that are really making a lot of really incredible changes so i really want to um you know and put that message out there so how about we play a song by pete seeger
7: Once was a union maid, she never was afraid Of the goons and the ginks and the company thinks And the deputy sheriff that made the raid She went to the union hall, when a meeting it was called When the company boys come around, she always stood her ground Oh, you can't scare me, I'm sticking to the union I'm sticking to the union I'm sticking to the union Oh, you can't scare me, I'm sticking to the union I'm sticking to the union till the day I die. This union maid was wise to the tricks of the company spies. She'd never be fooled by a company stool. She'd always organize the guys, she'd always get her way. When she asked for better pay, she'd show her card to the company guard, and this is what she'd say Oh, you can't scare me, I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union. Oh, you can't scare me. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union. Till the day I die. Now, you girls want to be free. Take a little tip from me. Get you a man who's a union man And join the ladies' auxiliary Married life ain't hard If you got a union card And a union man has a happy life If he's got a union wife Oh, you can't scare me I'm sticking to the union I'm sticking to the union I'm sticking to the union Oh, you can't scare me I'm sticking to the union I'm sticking to the union Till the day I die Oh, the ladies auxiliary is a good auxiliary it's the best auxiliary that you ever did see if you need an auxiliary see the ladies auxiliary it's the ladies auxiliary
2: Kick out your front door How you gonna come With your hands on your head Or on the trigger of your gun When the law breaks in How you gonna go Shut down on the pavement Or waiting on dead row You can crush us You can bruise us But you'll have to answer too Oh! Guns of Brixton Your life, you like it well, but surely your time will come, as in heaven or as in hell.
8: are according to the FBI more likely to die as the result of faulty furniture than by an Islamic terrorist. So you should really be scared of your lazy boy. For a very long time really the only Muslims that you saw on TV were the Muslim villain who would scream Allahu Akbar and then blow himself up. Akbar. And then there was like the good Muslim. So you have that that great movie, Body of Lies. You're like, oh look, it's a Muslim guy who's good. He's like with the CIA. No, he's dead. Like three minutes into the movie, he's done. In the 1980s, being Muslim in America was like being Martian. I grew up in a predominantly Mexican community. So I just told everybody I was Mexican. I didn't really know that much Spanish. I knew like, orale, and I just like would throw that out every once in a while, orale, and people would be like, oh, you're obviously Mexican. It was very important that we kept the whole Muslim and Iranian thing on the down low as much as possible. I was longing for a way to express myself spiritually. And so I started reading about Islam. I started reading the Quran. The more I read, the more I realized this is what I already believe. I just didn't know there was a word for it. Please welcome back to the program Reza Aslan. Reza Aslan. Reza Aslan, Reza, let me start with you. The hardest part for me when I'm being interviewed is to tamp down my astonishment. The question at the bottom of the screen that everyone is looking
9: at, does Islam promote violence?
8: The thing that's mostly going through my mind is calm down. Calm down. The justice system in Muslim countries, you don't think, is somehow more primitive or subjugates women more than in other countries? Did you hear what you just said? You said in Muslim countries. Please don't generalize about 1.7 billion people in the world. You're a Muslim, so why did you write a book about the founder of Christianity? Well, to be clear, I am a scholar of religions with four degrees, including one in the New Testament and fluency in biblical Greek. The Fox News video, that one really touched a nerve. I woke up the next day and realized I had 10,000 new followers. I mean, everybody was talking about it. I got a lot of positive comments from people, Muslims who were saying, you know, for the first time, okay, now we have proof of how we are being dealt with all the time. This is what it's like to be Muslim in America. The negative stuff, however, was much, much louder. I've got an entire file folder of just death threats. After about 10 years of being cable news's favorite Muslim, I've come to the realization that I don't think it's doing any good. Bigotry is not a result of ignorance, it's a result of fear, and fear is impervious to data. Fear is impervious to information. The only way that you're gonna dissipate that fear is by getting people to know someone that they're afraid of. In this country, we went from overwhelming majorities who were against same-sex marriage to overwhelming majorities supporting same-sex marriage within the span of a couple of years. What changed people's minds was will and grace, was modern family, was watching people who were gay on television being, you know, normal. They're struggling with the same issues that you're struggling with. They are human beings. And so for the last few years, I've decided that what I'm gonna do is try to change people's minds through pop culture, through film and television. Stories have the power to break through the walls that separate us into different ethnicities, different cultures, different nationalities, different races, different religions, because they hit us at the human level.
3: And welcome back. That was a nice uplifting video from uh, Reza Aslan. Um, Before that, we heard Jimmy Cliff's version of Guns of Brixton. Uh, Folks might recognize it, the clash, Clash song. And before that, Union Made by Pete Seeger. So continuing on, have some more news stories. And unfortunately, there are some depressing news stories. That's kind of how it is with the news. And there are a lot of positive things happening at the same time. It's important that we recognize and call out the more disturbing trends in the world and give voice to the folks who are not here to give voice to themselves. And this is from The Independent. Uh, Misha Caldwell, Mississippi woman is the first U.S. transgender person reported killed in 2017. The homicide comes after a record year of violence against trans people. And this was written by uh, Felix Garcia. And this article uh, was published today a black transgender woman was found shot to death in mississippi during the first week of 2017 the first reported homicide against a transgender person this year police responded to a call on wednesday after the discovery of 41 year old misha caldwell's body outside of the canton city limits roughly 30 miles north of jackson the madison county sheriff's office is investigating ms caldwell's death as a homicide but have yet to name a suspect in the killing It remains unclear whether authorities will treat the homicide as a hate crime. Ms. Caldwell was a well-known hair and makeup artist in the area, and her death has left ripples in the community. She was a happy person that loved everyone and never met a stranger, Yvonne Cahoe, Cahoe, a friend and former roommate of Ms. Caldwell's, told the Clarion Ledger. Ms Keho runs the transgender nonprofit Love Me Unlimited for Life. Each time a person of trans experience is killed or experiences violence against them, it is an assault against all of the ideals that we as a country stand for, she added. The ideals of life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness, the freedom of being who we want to be and being entitled to do so without persecution. And They have a chart here, um, which lists uh, gender identity-related hate crimes in the U.S. in 2015, and it's there's a lot, over 50 for anti-transgender. This is a tragic event, and it is not. It not only impacts the trans community, but the community as a whole. LGBTQ advocates expressed concern following reports of the killing of Ms. Caldwell as 2016 was the deadliest year for transgender people in the U.S. 26 transgender people, mostly people of color, were killed that year, surpassing 2015 in November. But the actual number of transgender killings may not reflect what is reported. Oftentimes, police reports and local news agencies misidentify transgender people without correction, Initial reports of Miss Caldwell's death, in fact, referred to her as her name given at birth. Glad called for more accurate media coverage of transgender death amid the increasing violence against the community. Disregarding the victim's gender identity and misgendering them in news reports adds further insult to injury, compounding the tragedy by invalidating who the victims were, the organization wrote in a blog post. The National Coalition issued a statement to Mike, and warned against the normalization of such violence against transgender people. This is the first homicide of a transgender person that NCAVP has responded to in 2017, during a time of heightened fear and increased violence against LGBTQ communities, said Senior Manager of National Research and Policy Emily Waters. As we continue to hear more reports of violence, We must remind ourselves that this violence is not normal and fight harder than ever to keep transgender people safe. (sighs) So, wanting to send a lot of love out there um, in memory of Misha Caldwell and everyone who is in her life. And this has been going on for a very long time and it needs to stop I don't have more words to say about it other than this is just heartbreaking and for folks within the community it's incredibly heartbreaking thing that this is a constant this is a a constant thing that keeps on happening and it needs to end i oftentimes don't know really what to say about this or how to react or respond and it comes from a, a place of fear and anger Just a lot of anger and wanting to protect those I know and folks that I don't know. And that's when, you know, when when a lot of us speak out against the administration, that's a lot, it's a lot of what they represent. They represent misogyny, they represent racism, they represent transphobia and homophobia, they represent violence. And it, it comes at a very personal level. The folks in positions of power are not ones who are speaking out against this so we really need to stop them from taking control because this has been happening in this country anyway like this has happened with democrats in the white house so we need when you have people in positions of power there's this idea that oh they're in position of power so therefore what they say goes and more and more people are going to take it as a sign that they can act as they want to act and we as much as i think the whole system that's in place is messed up by having people, these people, these quote unquote leaders, I don't think they're leaders at all, but having them in these positions, it's only going to increase these type of attacks and these type of attacks need to stop. They absolutely need to stop. And folks need to step up when you, even if you hear people making jokes or mistreating people, misgendering people, that's, that's violent right there. That leads to this kind of violence. It leads to people being misgendered, even in death, as someone who has lost a number of friends to, to suicide trans folks, it's it's not them being trans that has them die. It's society itself that can't accept them as who they are. It's the the, the people in the world that don't that refuse to see them as they are, that refuse to give them health care, that refuse to treat them as they want to be treated. It's fear of going outside, it's fear of accessing certain spaces. So And as, you know, Reza Aslan was talking about in terms of representation in the media, there's a lot of that too. If there's a lack of representation or if people are made to be the butts of jokes, how do you think that feels? And for folks who maybe always see themselves represented, it's really hard to describe to people. From my own experience as as a trans man, like I didn't even know I could exist for a big portion of my life. I didn't even know it was possible to exist. And then the first thing I remember seeing was Boys Don't Cry, which is a film based on a true story and it doesn't end well. And that definitely prevented me, in a way, I think, from going more towards transition because the story goes that it's not something that's safe or even possible to do without being killed. So this idea of representation, it's really important. And then also beyond that, if we don't have access to Hollywood, if we don't have access to telling our stories, what can we do in our own lives? And what can that do if you're not part of that group? What does it mean to stand up? for your friends. What does that mean? What does that look like? And for the folks in your life, they do require some care and attention. And if you could take some time away from your own life sometimes to really like focus on that and to stand up and to see what can be done, what can be done because it's very isolating. It's extremely isolating. I met someone last night, um, a trans woman and we were talking and, she's a bit younger than me generation younger. And it was hopeful in a way just to see that someone who is more than 10 years younger, um, seeing the changes that have been made since then in the past 10 years. And I I was saying, you know, I I didn't do anything until I was 27 and this person was younger than that. And it, it feels really good to meet people who are younger and who have access to care and have been able to advocate for themselves. And, it's something that if you haven't experienced it, it's really difficult to communicate and one can make analogies. Certainly like a lot of us are judged based on the bodies we've been born into. And there's a gender binary, there's race, there's ability. There's so many different things that based on our bodies we're treated a certain way. And at the end of the day, we're all spirits in these bodies. And unfortunately with colonial rule with Christianity, this idea that we should be treated differently. Um, a lot of that still very much has impacted how we respond to one another, and I, I feel that too. Like I, I still also judge people based on their bodies, and it's how to be aware of that. How to move beyond that. How can we do that? It's so hard not to, after being brainwashed by a society that feeds us these messages to fear one another or to treat each other differently. How can we do that? So that's a question. <sighs> so here's some more music and we'll be joined by isaac jackson a little bit after one 30. i'll be coming back with some news stories and until then here's some more music here's a song that was recommended by maggie who will save us now by stray light run
10: some of us are born and Some of us are born again Some of us are scared to death And some just don't believe in it Something's always wrong There's a lie An idea I can't Holds we're dying for, land and love and God and wealth, but men in charge protect themselves You can rest assured, it's the young and the poor who fought all our wars Led to death by men who they chose, and hope would protect them And that's all the advice I'll give. Life and death are hard. There's such strange, complicated issues. So listen, listen well for insight. But no one knows what's right for you. Who will say?
3: And welcome back to the Weekly Review. Um, I am joined here by Isaac Jackson, who is the lead organizer of the Urban Survivors Union here in San Francisco. Welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. Yeah. Um, so, Isaac, you were on the show, I think, in 2015 that we, we spoke last. Wow, it's been that long. Yeah.
9: Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's good to be back. I love radio. Nice. It's a people's medium.
3: Yes, definitely. It's a good way of getting the the word out there to the masses.
9: Yeah, and it's also very affordable for people do um, to rely on big corporate sponsors. Oh, yeah. My mic off, everyone. Or... Oh, so no. It's a little bit
3: closer.
9: Can okay, somebody could turn this up a little bit? Um, yeah, just a little bit closer. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, So, yeah, you know, Urban Survivors Union, we have – um. well, so first I should say what we do. Which is um we're trying to get drug users to to um take part in their own liberation. Um it's it's not enough to talk about um you uh, know, ending the drug war, we have to start to, you know, doing it and also planning for the peacetime. Yes. <laughs> I, I think I think despite um some setbacks recently, such as um um Senator Sessions... Yes, oh yeah. nominated for uh, Attorney General, which would be a big setback for all all of us who are involved in reforming drug policies. But we'll see. I mean, you know, the federal government can only do so much. Um, I think all politics are local. Yes, yeah. And we have lots of support in San Francisco. For most of the... uh, Most of the people and most of the points of authority... um, except for the mayor. <laughs> um, we'll talk about that later. But so Urban survivors Union is trying to get drug users to get organized, to um, be involved in changing drug policy, also to fight stigma, stigmatization mm-hmm. of drug users. Um, there's no such thing as a typical drug user, I, I believe. Um, there's some similarities, but um, the collective punishment we all, we've all been under um, in, the sake, in the name of um, protecting us, has been a big failure. Yes, yes. Um, as you all know, more people use drugs now than they did before the war on drugs started. Um, drugs are more available. They are um, um, less expensive. Um, so it's, it's failed in all its um, possible outcomes, which is to um, you know, make drugs almost impossible to get and stuff like that. Um, and despite what you may feel about... Um, Drug use. And we can talk about that later too. Um, one thing I'm sure everyone agrees is that staying in prison, being being sentenced to prison sentence or jail sentence, does nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. To, um, to the, um, someone's uh, pattern of use.
3: Yeah, it makes things worse.
9: Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so some of the things we've been doing specifically um, in San Francisco is that uh, we've been um, campaigning for um, trying to get a, a safe injection facility in the city and, and a safe injection facility they have one in um vancouver mm-hmm. it's the nearest one to to here they have them in europe and australia and basically it's a medical facility a quasi-medical facility where people can go and, and inject um safely and what i mean by safely is i'm sure we have heard about the opioid yeah epidemic yeah in, um hitting the states and people most people when they od and die they usually are alone um so we say to people try and you know shoot up with a friend but sometimes people don't have friends to do that with or can't find them and they do it anyway so this facility would be a place for people to go Mm -hmm. when they when they don't don't want to be alone and they want to survive um and part you know part of the opioid Mm -hmm. epidemic has roots in um Well, first of all, I'll I'll talk about this. Yeah. Yeah, Let's talk about this right now. Part of the opioid epidemic has roots in the fact that um, Big Pharma came out with a drug a few years back, Oxycontin, in which they said that it was going to be a miracle drug because it kills pain. It's opioid based, but it's going to kill pain for um, a lot longer than any other drug. So people could take less of it. Yeah, that was not the case. Right, and people start taking more of it, and then um, with any um, um, uh, medicine like that, the more it's produced and sold, the more it gets out of the hands of the people that um, you know supposed to take it, and also doctors prescribe it a lot e- more easily than um, maybe they should have because these claims for the drug company. Anyway. Um, the FDA came down on, on um, doctors prescribing this drug uh, last summer. Maybe, maybe it was summer of 15. I can't remember. But, um, probably summer of 15. Um, and we predicted that people would turn to heroin. hmm Because um, it's an opioid. And sure enough, um, that happened. Now, to make matters worse, I, you know, I have no idea who, who makes these calls? But people started substituting fentanyl, which is which is a very very powerful uh, opioid, for heroin. So people would get um, um, their usual amount and thinking they could do what they usually do, and die because it's like four times more powerful than heroin. Oh, so that's causing a lot of the overdoses. So we have two problems coming to make a perfect storm. We have People are being cut off from the supply of um, Oxycontins and turning to heroin. And then we have heroin um, manufacturers substituting fentanyl, which is uh, uh, a... Re- fentanyl was used mostly not in uh, medical situations. Uh, I'm not a heroin user myself, um, but I, I do defend the rights of people to make their own choices with their bodies. Yeah. Um, so I can't go into a lot of details about the ins and outs of heroin use, uh, but I do support people that you know, want to want to have a, uh, a safe uh, experience using it if, they, if that's possible for them. Yeah. So anyway, um, we've also yeah we've been handing out Narcan, which is um, it's a drug that can reverse an op- opioid overdose. Okay. Um, we, we've, the d- d- drug companies that make that make it have been giving it to the city. Or the city's been buying it actually, and the city's been distributing it to different groups so we've been doing that um other things we've been doing in san francisco is um we've been giving out um a safer safer smoking kits for crack users mm-hmm. um we've been doing that for it'll be three years in march i think we'll be doing it. it's hard to believe excuse me sorry about that um and so safer crack smoking kits are basically all the stuff that people need when they smoke crack, you know, um, uh, you know, the Brillo, so-called, quote-unquote Brillo, um, um, pushers, stuff like that. And the reason why we're doing that is because um, sometimes people, when their pipes break, they keep smoking even though they're, they're broken. Yeah. And though so they cut their lips. Yeah. And then, you know, blood gets on the pipe and they pass it to a friend. And so that's, that's a potentially disease-prone situation mm-hmm. for hepatitis C especially yeah um, which is very uh, contagious and lasts a long time with surfaces outside the body yeah and also people burn their lips yeah fucking really small pipes so we asked the city if they could could do this at uh, the needle exchanges mm-hmm. and they were thinking about it but um, Ed Lee mm-hmm. our, our great mayor uh, decided that that was not appropriate And so, you know, we were upset about that because he said, well, there's programs for crack smokers already. Well, as far as I know, most of the programs for crack smokers are, I'm not saying they're good or bad, but they're mostly about people stopping. Mm -hmm. And it does nothing for people who are continuing to use. And harm reduction is what we believe in. Harm reduction is a philosophy that is based reality-based, mm-hmm. and the reality is that f- from now to the near future, people will be using drugs. Yeah. Um. And so, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. Um. You've already had one crisis with, um, IV drug users and HIV back in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Um. We don't need to have another one with Hep C and crack pipes. Yeah. Um, and also, lastly, but most importantly, in some ways, the reason why we give them out is because um, uh, we're reaching out to a specific group of people that have been ostracized, mm-hmm. even within the drug-using community. Yeah, people with down and crack smokers. It's been, it's crack has such a bad reputation, um, and a lot of it's unfounded. Yeah. Um, um, so we, that's what we've been doing once a week. Now we don't pretend that we have enough pipes to give out to satisfy the needs in the city. But what we are trying to do is show the mayor and the Department of Public Health that hell does not break out all over the place when we do this. Yeah. It's, they're not very expensive. If we can do it with a small nonprofit that you know um, has gotten very little contributions for San Francisco branch. Uh, if we can do this through donations of people. The city surely can find room in its budget to do it. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's not encouraging or discouraging crack smokers. Um, it is basically a matter of public health. Right. There seems to no be a theme
3: with local government or just government as a whole, worth not, not actually it. listening to people who know what's happening. And I'm thinking about the Coalition on Homelessness, for instance, who, know, who speak up mm-hmm. against, like, they were speaking up against Prop Q, for instance. And the p- people in positions of power seem to not really listen to people who actually know what's happening. it seems to be a common theme.
9: Yeah, um, I, I the whole issue with Ed Lee is that, as far as I know, he doesn't have any expertise in public health. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he know anything about it, but that's not his area of specialty. Yeah, and so when people in your own department recommend it, and you reject it, it's only there's only one reason: it's ideological, uh, moral, and. Um, well, he, the reason why, well when, when this first happened, uh, I kind of got into a uh, back-and-forth shouting match with him through the media. Because mm-hmm. um, we got a lot of media attention in the beginning of doing this. And he claimed that um, one of the, he claimed that it was all about um, wanting to help people smoke crack. But the Bay reporter somehow used the Sunshine Law uh-huh. to get some of the conversation, the email between him and, and his aides and uh, and also the head of the public health department. And apparently what they really were concerned about is San image. To so the rest of the world. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh. So we will, maybe tour, maybe like a few hundred tourists might skip it coming here if, if they heard about that or something. Or, But it might bring like more people here. Like, oh, that's a cool place. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, seriously. I mean, not, not just... Sorry. Um, squeaky chair. <laughs> um, not just because... Uh, You know, the crime pipes, but, you know, a lot of people would just say, hey, that's a state that cares about people. Yeah. All its people. Yeah. And I want to visit it. I want to see what it's like. Yeah. Um, But they can't see it that way in terms of its image. Um, So uh, we've been doing that, and um, we've been asked a lot by people if we're going to give out bubble pipes, which are used for speed users, Uh and we thought about it long and hard, and we... We want to come up with a rationale. Um, giving out free stuff is always good. I mean, from the very beginning of, like, you know, counterculture activities in the Bay Area, it's always been, like, stuff like the free free store. where People like, just give up. <laughs> you know, I think in the 60s there was a store where you go in and you see something you like, you just take it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, the hippies did that back in the 60s. Um, and uh, so getting out stuff for free is, is, you know, it's cool. Um, we, just, we didn't know whether we could... It was enough of a cool to um, allocate funds, but then um, an, a, a sister organization of ours in Seattle, um, the People's Harm Reduction Alliance, um, they do needle exchange there. They started handing out bubble pipes, and they did some research on it, and they found that people that would get the free pipes ended up injecting less, mm. um, which you you know, which is um, it, you know, it's, it's a step up in health because there's less risks involved. Yeah, um, so. Um, we thought, well, that's a good enough reason. So we, we were able to get some funding to um, expand. And with, in, starting in January or February, we'll be giving out bubble pipes um, as well as the crack pipes. Oh, right on. Yeah. I, we listen to the people.
6: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
9: you know, I mean, because, you know, I mean, um, sometimes people on the street um, or anywhere, you know, end of the month or wherever, they, they, they're hard up for cash. And um, I wouldn't want someone to say, "Okay, um, my uh, my pipe is broken, so I guess I'll have to inject." Yeah. And then get an abscess, or you know, have something you know worse happen. And I'm not saying that. Well, there's risk involved. There's, there's different levels of risk and all kinds of methods of use. And the pipe is relatively um, lower risk than. Uh, Injecting, yeah. So um, those are things we're doing that no other group will do right now. AIDS Foundation won't do it because they're, you know, um, get money from the city, Mm. so they can't. In fact, all the needle changes are get money from the city right now. I see. So what the mayor says is uh, law, I guess, even though it it doesn't jive with expectations of. um, their users because once we started giving out the crime pipes they told us that all these people coming up to them saying why don't you give out crime pipes <laughs> 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 they always changed so you know it's just a matter of time um, I, what I would like to see is um, well one thing that's really positive about this um, is that um, drug users see their power yes you know that you know we're mostly a group of drug users and we uh, so we've been able to uh, rattle the mayor's cage um, and also um, give to the people what they want and we hopefully hopefully this will be a model for public health if they want to get more down with the people who listen to them yeah and even if they don't want to do it and then says, they, they think, say, no, don't do it sometimes you know that goes a long way to um, building uh, people's confidence in themselves mm-hmm. and you can't be caring about your health if you don't care about yourself, and you feel like you're not a powerful person it's worth saving, yeah. So, um, you know, those are those are major things we've been doing. Um, other things, other things that we have going on is well. First of all, I should also let let people know that there are two other chapters or organizations in different cities. Okay. Of Urban Survivors Union, uh, it's, Urban Survivors Union started in Seattle, mm-hmm. and um, so this here in San Francisco is the second group outside second usu group and then we, we started a group in north carolina mm. um about a year and a half ago maybe two years ago um and they're doing really great work because uh the southeast has been uh how can i say this um has been a bit lagging behind yeah In their approach to um uh, Neal exchange in public health. Yeah. Um, yeah. By the way, of all the high risk groups for HIV, which include and not, uh, I, I'm sure I won't get it out of everybody, but it includes um, uh, men who have sex with men, mm-hmm. uh, drug users, um, people born from you know HIV, uh, mothers with HIV, um, people with transfusions. Um, I think any group I'm leaving out, um, but you get the picture. Uh, there are groups of people in our society that, for social cultural reasons, have a higher risk than than mm-hmm. the, the, the average of everybody yeah and so drug users as, uh, drug users are one of those high risk groups because of sharing needles um, and I just i don 't know if people understand this, but of all the high risk groups, drug users have had the most dramatic and sustained lowering of of um, rates of infection in any group in, in the United States. Hmm. And it's all because of needle exchange. Hmm. And drug users got it. When when, when, we, when people start to tell this is how it spreads, and this is how you can prevent it, they get, they get it, they got it, and they use it, you know, the needle exchange gets lots of people all the time. So it's it's a su- successful intervention. And I, I just I like to embrace that fact because people have, have this view that drug users can't do anything. Um, but th- th- I think uh, they're wrong and this is one case in point um, now I just you know I know that some of the issues surrounding say gay male um, transmissions you know sex and you know sex and drugs are even though they may be connected they're a bit different forces in people's lives and um, so there may be some issues I mean, I'm sure that I know that is, I'm sorry oh. uh, I know there's issues surrounding um, uh, sex and stuff like that which are different than you know, getting a clean needle, mm-hmm. um, because I think you can plan that out a little better. Like you know, you can say, "Well, I'm going to use drugs this weekend. I'm going to get sure I have clean needles." Yeah. Um, and you may say, "Well, this weekend I'm only going to do this," and then you meet somebody, and then then you want to do this and that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you're not prepared. You don't have any, you know, spur of the moment, heat of passion thing. So I know, I, I'm not saying that the other groups are doing anything wrong, because their rates aren't as, you know lowest drug users i see but i'm just pointing out the fact that you know um we, we are we are quite successful in doing that and the, the reason why i bring that up in terms of north carolina is because until th- this summer there was no official needle exchange in the whole state
6: wow
9: wow and it's very typical of many states in the south so um, one of the things that we did first things we did we opened up the um, chapter down there um, because there was a woman down there named Louise who we met at a conference she liked what we were doing she said oh we we need this energy here we need this energy in North Carolina and we gave her the go ahead to go and um, start the chapter and uh, it's been really successful Um, and they um, had this one day conference celebration of the fact that last summer they legalized the English exchange in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and so I went down there and lot of people went down there and we spoke about you know what we're doing and um now they have a they're running a deal exchange. it's pretty oh, great right so uh I, I guess you can see from what we're doing in the urban survivors union is that we are um we're not afraid to go with people are afraid to go yeah we, we don't mind you know b- being you know groundbreakers and um and one thing about drug user and organizing is that you know, fear of being thrown in jail is not a big deal. <laughs> because people face it all the time, you know. Um so, yeah, okay, you know, arrest me, I don't care. <laughs> you know, so, you know, so anyway, it's kind of a joke, but I mean I don't want anyone to be arrested, but um, uh it's not like you know, some some movements people uh they chain themselves to things to get arrested. Yeah. And for drug users it's not really effective organizing tool because we've all been arrested at some point and so how is that going to be different than Mm. two years ago you know what I'm saying so um, you know um, so I think it's cooler to to not get arrested and do stuff when we started giving out the crack pipe things um, we didn't care about that but the media asked the police department you know what they would do about it yeah and they said nothing
6: Okay.
1: <laughs>
9: they said, we have a lot more things to think about than them, mm-hmm. you know. Because, I mean, it's in some ways, um, uh, the police are a little bit ahead of um, the mayor on a lot of issues because they deal with drug users all the time. Hmm. And they know that putting people in jail doesn't help because they see the same people back out They're doing the same thing. So, um, they're kind of on our side about that um um I'm not so sure about the uh the prison guards mm. <laughs> I think that's their bread and butter mm. you know, making sure people get convicted and sent to sent to prison um but um I think generally there's been a movement in our direction um you know that 40 years, 40 something years of drug war has just been like a disaster.
3: Yeah. Causing more harm than good. For sure. And then also looking at the hypocrisy. And every, every now and then there are these articles about these senators and Congress people who are very anti-drug and then they're caught with right. smuggling cocaine or right. some other substance. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um,
9: and let's not forget that um, these drugs are illegal, but there's other drugs um, that people take as we talked about earlier about the um... oxycontin. Yeah, like, oh, pharmaceuticals. Which we like, is really, you know, they're almost just as powerful. Um, yeah. street drugs may be more powerful. Um, and you know, things like methamphetamine, um, they used to be legal back in the fifties, early sixties. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it was, uh, promoted as a cure for um, depression. Um, which certainly does have that effect. But, um, I don't know if you've ever seen this film called Re- Re- Requiem for a Dream. Oh, yeah. How the woman said oh. That's an intense film. It's, it's really good. Oh. How she started hallucinating. <laughs> yeah. She getting too much um, methamphetamine. Yeah. Yeah. So that was probably, yeah, because uh, it was pure, too. So um, that's probably the why they took off the market.
3: Yeah. I feel like that movie is a very big anti-drug statement.
9: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, but, um. Uh, I think that what we're trying to do when I said earlier when we began the show that only do we want to end the drug war we have to prepare for the peacetime. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that getting people involved in l- learning, studying, listening to other people about how to use safely is the way to go. Yes. For the future, when if and when drugs become decriminalized or legalized. Because, um, um, sure, like, you know, you go to your doctor and they, they do, you know, physical and they say, you know, okay, you should be eating so many hamburgers or whatever. Um, most people are going to keep eating yeah. the way they're going to eat. So, I mean, it's yeah. not like drug users are the only ones in the world that don't live optimal um, physical conditions. Sure. I mean, this is the land of the heart attack. Um, and so, I think there's a double standard. Um, we're supposed to be going by the books so everything is healthy but the rest of the society can you know uh, abuse their bodies and no one's gonna put them in jail mm-hmm. um, that's a really good point yeah yeah um, I think you know I think my gateway drug um, was coffee
3: mm. <laughs> there, yep I had some this morning I'm, I'm you know I'm over three months sober but I have been drinking caffeine and uh, eating sugar so yeah
9: it's yeah. What do we determine to be I mean, drugs I was so in this I the coffee. I would um, buy you know the beans, and then I would you know I, I would um, um, what do you call it? Uh, crush them or you know break them down to the powder. Yeah. I had a, a thing where they put the beans in the coffee grinder. Yeah. And then you make and then you put then you make a cup of coffee and it's so 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 good and everything. Um, I should have realized then that I was heading toward a life of drugs. <laughs> uh, um, but, uh, and then also, I can't find them anymore, but um, maybe they made them illegal. Who knows? Uh, chocolate-covered espresso beans. Oh, yeah. Those are really good. that's oh, those are great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that is like, you know, mm. Mm. that's that having like, chocolate and, yeah. and stimulants together. is really great. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> because uh, it's funny because my first my first my first bag of them. I didn't realize you can't eat the whole bag. <laughs> oh man <laughs> And I was like really flying Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean things are it's all a matter of cultural um history and what we're used to. Yeah. Um this country being dominated by the culture of, of um
3: Europeans. Mm-hmm. And also profit too. Who stands to profit off what's available?
9: Yeah. I mean, um people were used to alcohol who who came over and colonized um, america and so you know george washington had a still in his Mm. his backyard and he made um um, all kinds of i forgot exactly what he made but he made some kind of whiskey um you know i think a lot of a lot of the early presidents had you know you know, <laughs> has, has, has uh, whiskey stills on their property. Uh, of course, run by slaves, but, you know, you know that story. You know, it's funny, there's an interesting connection between... I just, I just want to move the chair back a little bit. Oh, sure. Is this chair on Is it? Yeah. Okay. Oops. Sorry about that, for the audience. Yeah. I'll bring some W40 next time. <laughs> um, there's an interesting connection between... Uh, alcohol and American slavery mm. I don't know if you know this, or maybe maybe you do I'll just repeat it. Maybe some people listening might not know, but there's something called the Golden Triangle, which was like people would leave England, go down to Africa, and they would bring with them some you know cheap jewelry or uh, stuff to trade um, that was unique to where they came from to the Africans for slaves, and then they take the slaves to the Caribbean where they manufactured um, rum out of sugarcane and with slave labor and then came, went back to England with a boat full of um, rum which they could sell for a pretty good price. So you had this, um, this this triangle where you go from England to Africa, Africa to Caribbean and then back up to home, home port um and that helped fuel the um not only fuel the uh, slave slave economy in the caribbean but also in america mm-hmm. because um what the the slave owners did in the caribbean they used every, there's not a lot of land there so they used every inch of the land for growing sugarcane to make the rum so they needed food and they had to have they didn't have any, they didn't grow cotton for clothing so all that stuff they bought with their profits from huh. america so in the, the, the uh, Southeast especially had a really good business selling those products to the, um, the people in, in the uh, Caribbean. Huh. So um, that's an interesting uh, little aside about, you know, the history of drugs. and Yeah. Uh, there's millions of stories like that. Millions, there's lots of stories like that around the world about how, um, how capitalism interacts with, um, you know, drugs. Yeah. In addition to our sorry state of affairs here. Yeah. Um, I mean, will find out what happens when next year when marijuana gets sold in stores to everybody, yeah, that'll be another chapter in this whole thing. yes, yeah, I don't know um how that's gonna work out um, i had i this is a, a, another side I had a I had my first really bad drug experience recently, but it wasn't on any of the usual suspects. It was I ate um an edible marijuana uh-huh and edibles you can't really tell yeah how strong it's going to be yeah oh wow i got so sick from it oh yeah yep i was really dizzy and like nauseous i couldn't stand up it was horrible i eventually went to the hospital wow because i was just i couldn't get i was stuck outside my building i couldn't get get inside so the someone called the ambulance for me so i think that's interesting that's going to happen a lot when it becomes legal So people yeah should be prepared for that yeah. Don't eat it. Smoke it. <laughs> yeah. Because the effects are more gradual. Yeah. Or um, if you... you eat... When you smoke it. But if you eat it, you can get... you can't Once it gets to your stomach, you can't do anything about it. Yeah.
3: Or just be more careful, I think, if there's more information about... Because, like, some of them, they have, you know, eat a quarter of this before you put it all out, so... Yeah. Well, this was at a party. Oh, I see. So somebody
9: had, had un- unwrapped it and everything. I see. So, I'm just... So, anyway, Um, I think it's kind of ironic that... That's going to be the next drug to be decriminalized. Yeah. But I had a really bad experience. Yeah. Well, so beware, people. Don't read the labels.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, with the legalization, there will be more education and yes. information, because I feel like that's yes. the main thing with any type of substance. Exactly. And by making something, by criminalizing it, there's less information about the, the strains or the types or how strong it is. Exactly. So hopefully, with the legalization, something that can come from that, in addition, will be more education about it.
9: Exactly, I mean one one, pro, one um, project we've, we've been dreaming about um, is to distribute testing kits to people mm-hmm. so they can test what they're putting in their bodies. Yeah. Um, in terms of heroin the speed or whatever, and, um, I, this seems to be a no-brainer. But um, I don't know the city has not jumped on it. I thought it would be really good to give out little things that you could test before you use it. Yeah but you know we'll, we'll get there yeah um you know
3: cool. well I mean, oh th- uh, thank you so much we're actually running uh out of time so okay. the next show is gonna come in in a few minutes okay. so I wanted to say thank you so much and if there's any uh last few things that you wanted to share
9: um yeah um that we hand out uh, pipes um every Tuesday at um seven o'clock on the 300 block of Ellis Street. Okay. Which is near where Glide is.
3: Sure, and that's 7 a.m. or p.m.? P.m. Okay.
9: And um, right near where the gate is toward Bodeca Bord- Park. Okay. Near the portable bathrooms they have out there. So look for us uh, at 7 o'clock if you want to get some something. Well, we'll be there for about, an hour a half hour or so. Oh,
3: right on. Cool. Well, okay. thank you so much for, for coming in. And no problem. We'll have to chat again uh, soon. Yes. Sweet. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So thanks again to Isaac Jackson for coming in and we'll be wrapping up the show. Uh, coming up at 2 PM is global Val with women's magazine and to play us out. Here's a song that a friend recommended Frankie goes to Hollywood with two tribes. And I think one of the themes of the show has been about folks in positions of power, not really being in touch with the people and what's good for the people. So this song speaks to that a little bit. Have a great week, everyone. And we'll be back next week.
7: Above everything else, the American people want leaders who will keep the peace. Keep the peace. Keep, 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 keep the peace. Henry Cabot Lodge and I keep the peace. No, Mr. Khrushchev. No, no, Mr. Khrushchev. No, Mr. Khrushchev. Lodge and I, no firm diplomacy. No, Mr. Khrushchev. No, Mr. Khrushchev. No, 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 no peace for America and the world.
0: We have an exclusive report from Michael Terrorist Black from Patterson, New Jersey.
7: This is the day. I believe, I believe that the uh, limited nuclear war will work under the Charter of the United Nations. We are asking tonight that an emergency meeting of the Security Council be convoked without delay.
0: We have an exclusive report from Frankie. The air
4: attack warning sounds like this is the sound.